Section 30 of the Exemplary Novels of Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bob Gonzalez. The Exemplary Novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by Walter K. Kelly. The Two Damsels, Part Two. Theodosia complied with her brother's advice so far as to go to bed, but it was impossible for her to rest, so racked was she by jealous fears. Oh, how she exaggerated the beauty of Leocadia, and the disloyalty of Marco Antonio! How often she read with the eyes of her imagination his written promise to her rival! What words and phrases she added to it, to make it more sure and binding! how often she refused to believe that it was lost, and how many a time she repeated to herself that even though it were lost, Marco Antonio would not the less fulfill his promise to Leocadia without thinking of that by which he was bound to herself. In such thoughts as these she passed the night without a wink of sleep. Nor was her brother Don Rafael less wakeful, for no sooner had he heard who Leocadia was then his heart was on fire for her. He beheld her in imagination, not tied to a tree or in tattered male garments, but in her own rich apparel in her wealthy father's house. He would not suffer his mind to dwell on that which was the primary cause of his having become acquainted with her, and he longed for day that he might continue his journey and find out Marco Antonio, not so much that he might make him his brother-in-law, as that he might hinder him from becoming the husband of Leocadia. In fact, he was so possessed by love and jealousy that he could have borne to see his sister comfortless and Marco Antonio fairly buried, rather than be himself without hope of obtaining Leocadia. Thus, with different thoughts, they all quitted their beds at break of day, and Don Rafael sent for the host, and asked him if he could purchase a suit of clothes in that place for a page who had been stripped by robbers. The host said he happened to have one for sale, which he would dispose of at a reasonable price. He produced it. Leocadia found that it fitted her very well. She put it on, and girt herself with sword and dagger, with such sprightly grace that she enchanted Don Rafael, and redoubled Theodosia's jealousy. Calvete saddled the mules, and about eight in the morning, they started for Barcelona, not intending to take the famous monastery of Monserrate on their way, but to visit it on a future occasion, whenever it might please God to send them home again with hearts more at ease. Words are not adequate to describe the feelings of the two brothers, or with what different eyes they severally regarded Leocadia, Theodosia wishing for her death, and Don Rafael for her life. Theodosia striving to find faults in her, in order that she might not despair of her own hopes, and Don Rafael finding out new perfections that more and more obliged him to love her. All these thoughts, however, did not hinder their speed, for they reached Barcelona before sunset. They admired the magnificent situation of the city, and esteemed it to be the flower of the world, the honour of Spain, the terror of all enemies near and far, the delight of its inhabitants, the refuge of strangers, the school of chivalry, the model of loyalty, in a word, 
a union of all that a judicious curiosity could desire in a grand famous wealthy and well-built city upon their entering it they heard a great uproar and saw a multitude of people running with loud cries they inquired the cause and were told that the people of the galleys in the port had fallen upon those of the town don rafael desired to see what was going on though calvete would have dissuaded him for as the muleteer said he knew well what mischief came of interfering in such phrase as this which usually occurred in barcelona when galleys put in there in spite of this good advice don rafael and his fellow-travellers went down at once towards the beach where they saw many swords drawn and numbers of people slashing at each other without mercy and they approached so near the scene without dismounting that they could distinctly see the faces of the combatants for the sun was still above the horizon the number of townspeople engaged was immense and great crowds issued from the galleys although their commander don pedro vique a gentleman of valencia stood on the prow of the flagship threatening all who entered the boats to succor their comrades finding his commands disregarded he ordered a gun to be fired without ball as a warning that if the combatants did not separate the next gun he fired would be shotted meanwhile don rafael who narrowly watched the fray observed among those who took part with the seamen a young man of about two-and-twenty dressed in green with a hat of the same colour adorned with a rich loop and buttons apparently of diamonds the skill and courage with which he fought and the elegance of his dress drew upon him the attention of all the spectators and theodosia and leocadia both cried out as if with one voice good heavens either my eyes deceive me or he in green is marco antonio then with great nimbleness they dismounted drew their swords and daggers cleared their way through the crowd and placed themselves one on each side of marco antonio fear nothing senor marco antonio cried leocadia for there is one by your side who will defend your life at the cost of his own who doubts it ejaculated theodosia on the other side since i am here don rafael who had seen and heard all this followed his two companions and took sides as they did marco antonio was too busy smiting and defending himself to heed what his two seconds had said he could think of nothing but fighting and no man ever fought more bravely but as the party of the town was every moment increasing in numbers the people of the galleys were forced to retreat and take to the water marco antonio retreated with the rest much against his will still attended on either side by his two valiant amazons by this time a catalonian knight of the renowned house of cardonas made his appearance on a noble charger and throwing himself between the two parties ordered the townspeople to retire the majority obeyed but some still continued to fling stones one of which unluckily struck marco antonio on the breast with such force that he fell senseless into the water in which he was wading up to his knees leocadia instantly raised and supported him in her arms and theodosia aided her don rafael who had turned aside a little to avoid a shower of stones saw the accident which had befallen marco antonio and was hastening forward to his aid when the catalonian knight stopped him saying stay senor and do me the favour to put yourself by my side i will secure you from the insolence of this unruly rabble ah senor replied rafael let me pass 
for i see that in great danger which i most love in this world the knight let him pass but before he could reach the spot the crew of the flagship's boat had already taken on board marco antonio and leocadia who never let him out of her arms as for theodosia whether it was that she was weary or overcome with grief to see her lover wounded or enraged with jealousy to see her rival with him she had not strength to get into the boat and would certainly have fallen in a fainting fit into the water if her brother had not opportunely come to her aid while he himself felt no less torment than his sister at seeing leocadia go away with marco antonio the catalonian knight being very much taken with the goodly presence of don rafael and his sister whom he supposed to be a man called them from the shore and requested them to go with him and they were constrained to accept his friendly offer lest they should suffer some injury from the people who were not yet pacified thereupon the knight dismounted and with his drawn sword in his hand led them through the tumultuous throng who made way at his command don rafael looked round to see if he could discover calvete with the mules but he was not to be seen for the moment his employers dismounted he had gone off to an inn where he had lodged on previous occasions on their arrival at the knight's abode which was one of the principal houses in the city he asked them in which of the galleys they had arrived don rafael replied that they had not come in any for they had arrived in the city just as the fray began and it was because they had recognized the gentleman who was wounded with a stone that they had involved themselves in danger moreover he entreated the knight would have the gentleman brought on shore as he was one on whom his own dearest interests depended i will do so with great pleasure replied the knight and i am sure the general will allow it for he is a worthy gentleman and a relation of mine thereupon he went at once to the galley where he found marco antonio under the hands of the surgeon who pronounced his wound dangerous being near the heart with the general's consent he had him brought on shore with great care accompanied by leocadia and carried to his own house in a litter where he entertained the whole party with great hospitality a famous surgeon of the city was now sent for but he would not touch the patient's wound until the following day alleging that it had no doubt been properly treated already army and navy surgeons being always men of skill in consequence of their continual experience in cases of wounds he only desired that the patient should be placed in a quiet room and left to rest presently the surgeon of the galley arrived and had a conference with his colleague who approved of what he had done and agreed with him in thinking the case highly dangerous leocadia and theodosia heard this with as much anguish of heart as if it had been a sentence of death upon themselves but not wishing to betray their grief they strove to conceal it in silence leocadia however determined to do what she thought requisite for her honour and as soon as the surgeons were gone she entered marco antonio's room where going up to his bedside and taking his hand in presence of the master of the house don rafael theodosia and others senor marco antonio adorno she said it is now no seasonable time considering your condition to utter many words and therefore i shall only entreat you to lend your ear to some few which concern if not the safety of your body at least that of your soul 
but I must have your permission to speak, for it would ill become me, who have striven never to disoblige you from the first moment I knew you, to disturb you now in what seems almost your last. At these words Marco Antonio opened his eyes, looked steadfastly at Leocadia, and recognizing her rather by the tone of her voice than by her face, said with a feeble voice like one in pain, Say on, senor, what you please, for I am not so far gone but that I can listen to you, nor is that voice of yours so harsh and unpleasing that I should dislike to hear it. Theodosia hearkened most attentively, and every word that Leocadia spoke pierced her heart like an arrow, and at the same time harrowed the soul of Don Rafael. If the blow you have received, continued Leocadia, or rather, that which has struck my heart, has not effaced from your memory, Señor Marco Antonio, the image of her whom not long ago you called your glory and your heaven. You must surely call to mind who Leocadia was, and what was the promise you gave her in writing under your own hand. Nor can you have forgotten the worth of her parents, her own modesty and virtue, and the obligation you are under to her for having always gratified you in everything you desired. If you have not forgotten all this, you may readily know, in spite of this disguise, that I am Leocadia. As soon as I heard of your departure from home, dreading lest new chances and opportunities should deprive me of what is so justly mine, I resolved in defiance of the worst miseries to follow you in this garb, and to search the wide world over till I found you. Nor need you wonder at this, if you have ever felt what the strength of true love is capable of, or know the frenzy of a deceived woman. I have suffered some hardships in my quest, all of which I regard as pastime, since they have resulted in my seeing you. For though you are in this condition, if it be God's will to remove you to a better world, I shall esteem myself more than happy if before your departure you do what becomes you, in which case I promise you to live in such a manner after your death that I shall soon follow you on that last inevitable journey. I beseech you then, for the love of heaven, for your own honor, and for my sake, to whom you owe more than to all the world, receive me at once as your lawful wife, not leaving it to the law to do what you have so many righteous motives for doing of your own accord. Here Leocadia ceased speaking. All present had listened to her in profound silence, and in the same way they awaited the reply of Marco Antonio. I cannot deny, Signora, he said, that I know you. Your voice and your face will not suffer me to do that. Nor yet can I deny how much I owe to you nor the great worth of your parents and your own incomparable modesty and virtue. I do not and never shall think lightly of you for what you have done in coming to seek me in such a disguise. On the contrary, I shall always esteem you for it in the highest degree. But since, as you say, I am so near my end, I desire to make known to you a truth, the knowledge of which, if it be unpleasant to you now, may hereafter be useful to you. I confess, fair Leocadia, that I loved you, and you loved me. And yet I confess also that my written promise was given more in compliance with your desire than my own, for before I had long signed it, 
my heart was captivated by a lady named Theodosia, whom you know, and whose parentage is as noble as your own. If I gave you a promise signed with my hand, to her I gave that hand itself in so unequivocal a manner that it is impossible for me to bestow it on any other person in the world. My amour with you was but a pastime from which I called only some flowers, leaving you nothing the worse. From her I obtained the consummate fruit of love upon my plighted faith to be her husband. That I afterwards deserted you both was the inconsiderate act of a young man who thought that all such things were of little importance, and might be done without scruple. My intention was to go to Italy, and after spending some of the years of my youth there, to return and see what had become of you and my real wife. But heaven in its mercy, as I truly believe, has permitted me to be brought to the state in which you see me, in order that in thus confessing my great faults I may fulfill my last duty in this world, by leaving you disabused and free, and ratifying on my deathbed the pledge I gave to Theodosia. If there is anything, Signora Leocadia, in which I can serve you during the short time that remains to me, let me know it, so it be not to receive you as my wife, for that I cannot. There is nothing else which I will not do, if it be in my power, to please you. Marco Antonio, who had raised himself on one arm while he spoke, now fell back senseless. Don Rafael then came forward. "'Recover yourself, dear Senor,' he said, embracing him affectionately, "'and embrace your friend and your brother, since such you desire him to be.' Marco Antonio opened his eyes, and recognizing Don Rafael, embraced him with great warmth. "'Dear brother and senor,' he said, "'the extreme joy I feel in seeing you "'must needs be followed by a proportionate affliction, "'since, as they say, after gladness comes sorrow. "'But whatever befalls me now, "'I will receive with pleasure in exchange "'for the happiness of beholding you.' "'To make your happiness more complete,' replied Don Rafael, "'I present to you this jewel as your own.' Then, turning to look for his sister, he found her behind the rest of the people in the room, bathed in tears, and divided between joy and grief, at what she saw and what she had heard. Taking her by the hand, her brother led her passively to the bedside, and presented her to Marco Antonio, who embraced her with loving tears. The rest of those present stared in each other's faces in speechless amazement at these extraordinary occurrences. But the hapless Leocadia, seeing her whom she had mistaken for Don Rafael's brother, locked in the arms of him she looked on as her own husband, with all her hopes mocked and ruined, stole out of the room unperceived by the others, whose attention was engrossed by the scene about the bed. She rushed wildly into the street, intending to wander over the world no matter whither, but she was hardly out of doors before Don Rafael missed her, and as if he had lost his soul began to inquire anxiously after her, but nobody could tell what had become of her. He hastened in dismay to the inn where he was told Calvete lodged, thinking she might have gone thither to procure a mule, but, not finding her there, he ran like a madman through the streets, seeking her in every quarter, till the thought struck him that she might have made for the galleys, and he turned in that direction. As he approached the shore, 
he heard someone calling from the land for the boat belonging to the general's galley and soon recognized the voice as that of the beautiful leocadia hearing his footsteps as he hastened towards her she drew her sword and stood upon her guard but perceiving it was don rafael she was vexed and confused at his having found her especially in so lonely a place for she was aware from many indications that he was far from regarding her with indifference on the contrary she would have been delighted to know that marco antonio loved her as well how shall i relate all that don rafael now said to leocadia i can give but a faint idea of the glowing language in which he poured out his soul were it my fate beautiful leocadia he said along with the favours of fortune to lack also at this moment the courage to disclose to you the secret of my soul then would there be doomed to perpetual oblivion the most ardent and genuine affection that ever was harboured in a lover's breast but not to do it that wrong i will make bold senora come of it what may to beg you will observe if your wounded feelings allow you that in nothing has marco antonio the advantage of me except the happiness of being loved by you my lineage is as good as his and in fortune he is not much superior to me as for the gifts of nature it becomes me not to laud myself especially if in your eyes those which have fallen to my share are of no esteem all this i say adored senora that you may seize the remedy for your disasters which fortune offers to your hand you see that marco antonio cannot be yours since heaven has already made him my sisters and the same heaven which has taken him from you is now willing to compensate you with me who desire no higher bliss in this life than that of being your husband see how good fortune stands knocking at the door of the evil fortune you have hitherto known and do not suppose that i shall ever think the worse of you for the boldness you have shown in seeking after marco antonio for from the moment i determined to match myself with you i am bound to forget all that is past well i know that the same power which has constrained me so irresistibly to adore you has brought you also to your present pass and therefore there will be no need to seek an excuse where there has been no fault leocadia listened in silence to all don rafael said only from time to time heaving a sigh from the bottom of her heart don rafael ventured to take her hand she did not withdraw it and kissing it again and again he said tell me lady of my soul that you will be so holy in presence of these starry heavens this calm listening sea and these watery sands say that yes which surely behoves your honour as well as my happiness i repeat to you that i am a gentleman as you know and wealthy that i love you which you ought to esteem above every other consideration and that whereas i find you alone in a garb that derogates much from your honour far from the home of your parents and your kindred without any one to aid you at your need and without the hope of obtaining what you were in quest of you may return home in your own proper and seemly garb accompanied by as good a husband as you had chosen for yourself and be wealthy happy esteemed and even applauded by all who may become acquainted with the events of your story all this being so i know not why you hesitate 
say the one word that shall raise me from the depth of wretchedness to the heaven of bliss and in so doing you will do what is best for yourself you will comply with the demands of courtesy and good sense and show yourself at once grateful and discreet well said the doubting leocadia at last since heaven has so ordained and neither i nor any one living can oppose its will be it as heaven and you desire senor i take the same power to witness with what bashfulness i consent to your wishes not because i am unconscious of what i gain by complying with them but because i fear that when i am yours you will regard me with other eyes than those with which hitherto perhaps you have mistakenly beheld me but be it as it may to be the lawful wife of don rafael de villavicencio is an honour i cannot lose and with that alone i shall live contented but if my conduct after i am your wife give me any claim to your esteem i will thank heaven for having brought me through such strange circumstances and such great misfortunes to the happiness of being yours give me your hand don rafael and take mine in exchange and as you say let the witnesses of our mutual engagement be the sky the sea the sands and this silence interrupted only by my sighs and your entreaties so saying she permitted don rafael to embrace her and taking each other's hand they solemnized their betrothal with a few tears drawn from their eyes by the excess of joy succeeding to their past sorrows they immediately returned to the knight's house where their absence had occasioned great anxiety and where the nuptials of marco antonio and teodosia had already been celebrated by a priest at the instance of teodosia who dreaded lest any untoward chance should rob her of her new-found hopes the appearance of don rafael and leocadia and the account given by the former of what had passed between them augmented the general joy and the master of the house rejoiced as if they were his own near relations for it is an innate characteristic of the catalonian gentry to feel and act as friends towards such strangers as have any need of their services the priest who was still present desired that leocadia should change her dress for one appropriate to her sex and the knight at once supplied both the ladies with handsome apparel from the wardrobe of his wife who was a lady of the ancient house of the granolliques famous in that kingdom the surgeon was moved by charity to complain that the wounded man talked so much and was not left alone but it pleased god that marco antonio's joy and the little silence he observed were the very means of his amendment so that when they came to dress his wound next day they found him out of danger and in a fortnight more he was fit to travel during the time he kept his bed he had made a vow that if he recovered he would go on a pilgrimage on foot to santiago de galicia and in the fulfilment of that vow he was accompanied by don rafael leocadia teodosia and even by the muleteer calvete unusual as such pious practices are with men of his calling but he had found don rafael so liberal and good-humoured that he would not quit him till he had returned home the party having to travel on foot as pilgrims the mules were sent on to salamanca the day fixed for their departure arrived and equipped in their dalmaticas and with all things requisite they took leave of their generous and hospitable friend the knight don sancho de cardona a man of most illustrious blood and personally famous 
and they pledged themselves that they and their descendants to whom they should bequeath it as a duty should perpetually preserve the memory of the singular favours received from him in order that they might not be wanting at least in grateful feeling if they could not repay them in any other way don sancho embraced them all and said it was a matter of course with him to render such services or others to all whom he knew or supposed to be castilian hidalgos they repeated their embraces twice and departed with gladness mingled with some sorrow travelling by easy stages to suit the strength of the lady pilgrims they reached monserrate in three days remained as many more there fulfilling their duties as good catholic christians and resuming their journey arrived without accident at santiago where they accomplished their vows with all possible devotion they determined not to quit their pilgrim garbs until they reached their homes after travelling towards them leisurely they came at last to a rising ground whence leocadia and theodosia looked down upon their respective birthplaces nor could they restrain their tears at the glad sight which brought back to their recollection all their past vicissitudes from the same spot they discovered a broad valley which divided the two townships and in it they saw under the shades of an olive tree a stalwart knight mounted on a powerful charger armed with a strong keen lance and a dazzling white shield presently they saw issuing from among some olive trees two other knights similarly armed and of no less gallant appearance these two rode up to the first and after remaining a while together they separated the first knight and one of the two others set spurs to their horses and charging each other like mortal enemies began mutually to deal such vigorous thrusts and to avoid or parry them with such dexterity that it was plain they were masters in that exercise the third knight remained a spectator of the fight without quitting his place don rafael who could not be content with a distant view of the gallant conflict hurried down the hill followed by the other three and came up close to the two champions just as they had both been slightly wounded the helmet of one of them had fallen off and as he turned his face toward don rafael the latter recognized his father and marco antonio knew that the other was his own whilst leocadia discovered hers in the third knight who had not fought astounded at this spectacle the two brothers instantly rushed between the champions crying out stop cavalier stop we who call on you to do so are your own sons father i am marco antonio for whose sake as i guess your honoured life is put to this peril allay your anger cast away your weapons or turn them against another enemy for the one before you must henceforth be your brother the two knights instantly stopped and looking round they observed that don sancho had dismounted and was embracing his daughter who briefly narrated to him the occurrences at barcelona don sancho was proceeding to make peace between the combatants but there was no need of that for he found them already dismounted and embracing their sons with tears of joy there now appeared at the entrance of the valley a great number of armed men on foot and on horseback these were the vassals of the three knights who had come to support the cause of their respective lords but when they saw them embracing the pilgrims they halted and knew not what to think until don sancho briefly recounted to them what he had learned from his daughter 
the joy of all was unbounded five of the vassals immediately mounted the pilgrims on their own horses and the whole party set out for the house of marco antonio's father where it was arranged that the two weddings should be celebrated on the way don rafael and marco antonio learned that the cause of the quarrel which had been so happily ended was a challenge sent to the father of the latter by the fathers of theodosia and leocadia under the belief that he had been privy to the acts of seduction committed by his son the two challengers having found him alone would not take advantage of him but agreed to fight him one after the other like brave and generous knights the combat nevertheless must have ended in the death of one or all of them but for the timely arrival of their children who gave thanks to god for so happy a termination of the dispute the day after the arrival of the pilgrims marco antonio's father celebrated the marriages of his son and theodosia don rafael and leocadia with extraordinary magnificence the two wedded pairs lived long and happily together leaving an illustrious progeny which still exists in their two towns which are among the best in andalusia their names however we suppress in deference to the two ladies whom malicious or prudish tongues might reproach with levity of conduct but i would beg of all such to forbear their sentence until they have examined themselves and seen whether they too have not been assailed some time or other by what are called the arrows of cupid weapons whose force is truly irresistible calvete was made happy with the gift of the mule which don rafael had left at salamanca and with many other presents and the poets of the time took occasion to employ their pens in celebrating the beauty and the adventures of the two damsels as bold as they were virtuous the heroines of this strange story end of recording end of the two damsels part two recording by bob gonzalez end of the exemplary novels by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by walter k kelly